Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. So good to be with you today, and I'm very excited to have somebody who has been a friend in radio of mine for 13 years, but he has, boy, my goodness, he has gone on to really become probably one of the greatest uh, radio talk show hosts of all time. He is being inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, or nominated, I should say, and um, he has uh, over 6 million people that listen to his podcast each year. He's the great Mark Simone, and uh, we have almost a whole hour with him today, but he literally knows... Everyone you can ever imagine in the world of politics, music, acting, uh, comedians, you name it, he has been there and had drinks with them and talked with them or just just literally gotten to know them all. He's that kind of person and grateful. He's actually from the state of Michigan. But lives in New York City, and but he's joining us today for almost the hour, and I'm so excited to have Mark Simone on. We also have good news stories at the end, and the whole kit and caboodle is brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. Balance of Nature is a wonderful company that um, does things the way they've done them from the very beginning, and that's by using nothing but pure food inside their capsules so that people can fill in the gaps in their diet when they don't get the fruits and vegetables that they need, which is pretty much all the time. Like even if we think that we're doing really well by eating healthy, so-called healthy, and getting some fruits and vegetables in us, it's really not the amount that we're supposed to be getting as a human body. Ten servings is what we're supposed to have per day of fruits and vegetables. Very hard to do. Um, Expensive, too, and costly. So what do we do? We buy Balance of Nature. You can't get it in the supermarket. You can't get it in the store, the drugstore, the CVS. No, you have to order it from Balance of Nature. That's what they sell, the fiber and spice and the fruits and veggies. And that's all they do. They're experts in that. They have found a way to get all of the nutrition packed in there with the food and so that you don't have to feel guilty at the end of the week that you've not had enough of your fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature to the rescue. How do you get it? Well, you can order online. Super easy at balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. And make sure you put my name into the promo code when they ask you for a promo code. That way you're going to get 35% off your first order and free shipping always. You could also call them at this easy to remember number. It is 800-2468-751 and tell the nice people on the phone that you're putting Laura into the promo code L-A-U-R-A again for your 35% discount and free shipping always. When we come back, the one and only Mark Simone. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, about 13 years ago, I went from, gosh, I was working, doing the all-night shift at 106.7 Light FM in New York City as a music jock. And it was a job I'd had for six years, and I loved it. But I had gotten interested in talk radio when I ran a talk radio format on Sirius XM. And um, it really piqued my interest, and I met some wonderful people there. And one of them uh, was someone who became the program director of the iconic 
and probably most well-known talk radio station of its time, 77 WABC in New York. So lo and behold, I found myself no longer working at Light FM, but now um, I was an assistant program director from for WABC, and it was 2010, and I was just getting my... I just was dipping my toes into the waters of talk radio as it were on a format like that where truly you've got the biggest names in the business ever. Rush Limbaugh, uh, Imus, Imus in the Morning, Don Imus, uh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin. You had all these iconic names, and here I was coming from, you know, doing Madonna songs all night long. But I got the chance to work with some of, not only some of the most iconic people, but to meet the most interesting people I'd ever met in radio and people who had already had such a vast career in the business that I was a little starstruck myself being in there, even though I'd already been doing radio for 20 years. Well, I ran into the likes on the weekends of doing a program there called, well, I did a bunch of them. One was called Living Better with Laura Smith. Another one was called Above and Beyond. The other one was The Saturday Day Cafe. I was doing all these weekend programs on 77 WABC, and I had the great good fortune of following Larry Kudlow in the morning and then uh, being on the air until someone by the name of Mark Simone took over for the weekends. And little did I know that the man with the most iconic and interesting shoes I'd ever seen in my life, and they were often the topic of conversation in the radio station, he took over. He was so well-known in New York and continues to be, actually, is the number one radio talk show host in New York and beyond. He has at least six million people uh, listening to his podcast every single day in the country. He is gone way above and beyond that anything that I could have imagined when I met him the first time. Had I known that, I would have been probably a little bit more nervous to meet him. Mark Simone, uh, the man who has just been inducted or actually nominated to be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame and in radio since he was 16 years old and now just 26. Here he is. Is there any time left for the show? That what the, what an introduction! It was like forty five minutes. I'm, I'm waiting to hear who it is. It turns out it's me. <laughs> you were like falling asleep there. Oh no, I'm can't, talking about you. I can't wait to hear who's showing up, and it's me. So yeah, I didn't know you were the assistant program director. Really, for six months until the radio station got sold to Cumulus. Oh yes, I was hired to be the APD. So didn't do a whole much, you know, whole bunch with that until. So that's when I started all those weekend shows, and I met you, and. First of all, I was so captivated by your voice. Mark Simone, as you can hear, has a voice that once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And that's in a good way. Um, He has this iconic voice and he truly is the voice of New York um, and all things New York, even though he's a Midwesterner. Like me. That's great. I love this show. Every question's like 40 minutes. I don't have to talk much. I just <laughs> but, this, but this is how I do it. This is how I start. Now you have no, to do good. the entire rest of the show by yourself. It's good. So uh, it's, Talk to us about... Just to go back to, what do you mean everybody was talking about my shoes? That's a Seinfeld episode where Elaine says, why are you talking about my shoes? Yeah, exactly. Because you wear these shoes. Well, you don't have them on today, but those suede shoes... 
and there's a name for them, and I they're not hush puppies. <laughs> they're not hush puppies. There's something much more they're expensive than that. Velvet. They're not. Suede, That's right. But... They are velvet. I'm sorry, and they are unreal. And they're with people. There were a couple people that had them also, but I had never seen them before. I'd never. I've never seen anything like them since. But only you could walk into radio. Shop the Salvation Army. What do you Actually, mean? I do. Oh, you do? Yes. <laughs> it's called the Depot. It's a Mennonite thrift shop in oh. in uh, you know Goshen, Indiana. But um, no. Seriously, I meet you. You're a larger-than-life character. So often in radio, you meet people and their voices don't match what they look like. Yeah. Right? They sound like they're these gigantic, you know, manly men. And then you meet them and they're, you know, three and a half feet tall or, you know, they're... um, a little on the unexercised size or whatever. Mark Simone is exactly how he sounds. Well, at the old WABC, it was pretty much that way. Imus looked like he sounded kind of a rough, tough, uh, manly guy. True Ru- that. Rush looked like he sounded a nice, jolly fellow. Uh, Sean Hannity uh, is what he sounds like. You know, just a lovable, uh, great guy. Uh, Mark Levin. Uh, uh, the only thing about Mark Levin, he looks like he sounds, but he's very tall. He sounds he, like he might be a little guy. He's about 6'3". He is. He's a big man, um, and people don't realize that. And Sean, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, Sean Hannity is not a fun-loving oh, guy. Oh, no, absolutely. But he absolutely is. He's a very nice man and a very sweet, sweet there. They were all, except for Imus. he wasn't the, really the sweetest guy in the world. He was definitely... On his own level of curmudgeon, but... Uh, yeah, he had his moments. He was, uh, as soon as you go to the break, yelling, screaming, cursing at everybody. It was his therapy. Uh, he did pull a gun on people quite a bit. <laughs> did, I, I wasn't there for those days. Well, I, I, I was I, all I, the time. Yeah. Every now and then he'd pull it out and uh, he could be kind of rough and uh, he didn't like management. If you sent him a... In fact, our friend Lori Cantillo once was going to write a memo that the ratings had dropped a little and I said... Don't send this mail. Just don't send it. So she sent it anyway, just to let him know there was a little drop. The next day was the full hour of the show about what an idiot this woman was, how terrible this woman was, just trashing around. And you know she was a wonderful woman and a brilliant program director. Brilliant. She absolutely was. But he also loved Lori Cantillo. See, she there was some for, for some reason she was able to... You know, kind of, I think, get under his skin just enough that he respected her. But um, Well, he was like a wild animal, yelling and screaming. But then the next day, she would bake some cookies, bring him some cookies. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> he, he would do that with me. One week, he would trash me like crazy. Oh, yes. Next week, he would praise me like crazy. Yep, yep. I, I went through it, too, with him. He loved my voice. He said, will you please voice my things? And then, you know, I did something that he didn't think was whatever. And, you know, he's like screaming all over the place it was that was him and he's no longer here to defend himself so we won't uh, say too much but mark simone you've been as i said in radio since you're 16 you've um literally done everything there is to do in radio and yet you do it every single day and it's like if you've ever heard him and many millions of you have on a daily basis. He's one of the most, I've never heard anybody with so much information, whether it be on politics, the nightlife of New York City, um, just pop culture within itself. You know everything about everybody like that there yeah. is. So what? what is this? Where did this start? Is it an insatiable curiosity of life? Is it, are you so like highly intelligent and well-educated? Oh, that I like that part. Learn? Yeah, well, let's go with that. I like that. So do, tell us. Uh, I was talking to Larry King once. We used to compare notes all the time. And he said, you're just like me. 
you don't like to prepare because I never prepare anything. I never prepare a show. Never. He said, so like me, you developed a photographic memory. So you just remember everything. That way you don't have to prepare a show. Um, but I'm always filled with information. For instance, let's talk about radio for a second. Everybody tells you it's dying. That's the end of AM radio. That's the end of talk radio. That somebody even sent me this. It's an article in a big trade magazine that this is it. Radio is dying. It was from the July 1966 issue. <laughs> so I mentioned this on the air. And then somebody sent me another trade magazine about how radio is dying. It was from 1948 when television was coming in. So they always tell you it's dying. Let me just give you the numbers. Right now, 150 million people in America listen to radio every day. 150 million. AM radio, 58 million Every day, 58 million. Network TV, all network TV is only 25 million. So three and a half times as many people listen to AM radio as network television. Cable uh, news television, that's only like 11 million people. AM radio is 58 million people every day. So, and isn't it ironic? Because I, since I've been in radio, I started in 1996, I would go to all of those radio conventions and every panel up there, you know, talking. It was like, this, this is it. This is the end. This is the end. Even the insiders of radio were saying it was the end. And, and yet it's just, it, you can't kill it. It's like those bugs, you know, you stamp on them and then they just like get up and fly away. It's, it's, that's what it is. But what is it? Because radio obviously is doing something. It fulfills something that you don't even have to change it very much. You just have to be good at it as you are. So interesting. Mark Simone, you're always interested. No matter what he's talking about, he can make talking about the, the package of a potato chip sack sound interesting. And I guess it's an art form. So that could be one reason that 58 million people listen, because it is an art form. Like, not everybody can do that. Yeah, no, it's an art form uh, often used by used car salesmen, uh, <laughs> scammers on the Internet. But uh, to make anything sound good, uh, it's just a lot of practice, uh, a lot of experience. And always, you know, they always tell you, be yourself. That's obvious. But the other thing is, always tell the truth. We don't do... Any commercials that we don't really think are great, you don't don't ever lie on the radio. Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, to the other thing about radio, AM radio especially, they'll argue, well, the audience is getting older. It uh, doesn't have the right demos. There could be some truth to that. But the audience got smarter through the years. It's not a top 40 guy playing records anymore. It's talk radio. It's really smart, intelligent stuff, politics. So, And if you look at the numbers, demos might be older, but if you look at what they call the, uh, the uh, psychographics of AM radio, it's the highest income audience of any medium right now. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we have a thing called the C-suite index. How many CEOs, CFOs, C- like on our station, the C-suite index is 272. Normal is 100. It's, ours is like through the roof. So, and that's how we sell it. You know, they make fun of the sponsors. Ah, they got these gold companies. The reason they're on AM radio is the gold company's looking that's for That's where fi- the customer is. Well, the gold company's looking for $15,000. Try to collect that on an FM music station out of a listener. Right. But the AM audience spends that. We have, uh, you know, we've got sponsors. We, we've got a diamond company now where it's twenty twenty five thousand. We sell lots of those. It's a very wealthy audience. It is, and it's also educated. So that's something I've learned also. F- 
funny enough, in, in, in my Michiana audience, which is Michigan and Indiana, uh, we're on both the FM and, and AM simultaneously. And I think that, that um, that's been a, actually a great thing because you are reaching people that normally would be trolling the, the, you know, the dial looking for music and then they stumble upon some really fascinating conversation going on and then they get hooked. Um, I didn't know talk radio could be so fascinating until I started working at Sirius XM and I was running that that channel but that was lifestyle programming the AM and FM kind of talk that we're doing here at 95.3 MNC and at WGCH in Greenwich it's um, it's 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 really it's it's interesting I I found that I have learned more from talk radio than I think from ever going to university um i i just i feel like i learn a lot yeah and uh you know you take sean hannity for instance the sean hannity tv show it's great but he's got four minutes with the guest he's got three minutes for the monologue when he's on the radio he's got a half hour with the guest he's got 40 minutes for the monologue it's much more in-depth much more detailed uh television you got to keep it moving and when you're talking on television they got to put up uh, pictures behind you they got to run uh, what, what they call that thing the zipper under, or whatever yeah there's like stock prices, weather, everything's going on underneath you. Where radio, I'm just talking right into the microphone. It's just you and me alone. It's much more intimate. But it helps to be Mark Simone. The thing that you have that I learned very quickly about at WABC was you entertain while you're maybe educating, enlightening, all those things. But you entertain. You have to have a bit of showmanship in you, right? Because there are there are not the bells and whistles of television. You can't see anything. So you better be smart and exciting and interesting to listen to just with your voice or you're not going to have an audience. That the, the opposite has happened for you. The more you're on, the more interesting you get, the more listeners you have. Um, I would imagine that your demo is not just older, wealthy men anymore. I mean, if you're getting six million people to your podcast yeah, no, every year... We get a little of everything. We get all sorts of stuff. Uh, and from all over the country, I bet. Yeah. You talk a lot about New York City. You are Mr. New York. People know you as Mr. New York. And yet you've got listeners from all over the country, including the Midwest, that tune in to you every day because you have something for everybody. Yeah. Now, let me just say the same thing about New York. It's like just like AM radio. You keep hearing New York is dead. Nobody's there anymore. Everybody's leaving. New York is empty. You were there the other day. You can't move. It's gridlock. It's traffic. Every restaurant is mobbed, packed. The stores are busy. Uh, it's, so it's, it's got its AM radio problem. They keep telling you it's over. It's not over. That's right. That's right. But neither is the Midwest either. And, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I moved back to the Midwest, to Michiana, northern Indiana, during the pandemic. I was nervous, and I tell this to the listening audience a lot. I was super nervous. You know, coming from 41 years in New York, working in Manhattan for 15 years, I was a little nervous about going to Amish country in northern Indiana. Like, what am I going to do? Is there going to be anything to do? Is there going to be anywhere to go? And how pleasantly surprised are we? The way, you know, people maybe from the coasts talk about the Midwest as being, you know, flyover country or or just you know farmers and things like that and and there are but uh, let me tell you something they're the most interesting farmers you've ever met some beautiful beautiful country and there's a lot going on there's great restaurants going on there's good theater happening you know and so it's the same thing things people say things that just the reality is something totally different but you have a wonderful take on things you have a fantastic sense of humor you 
and like you said, you don't prepare for your shows, and yet they're funny as all get out. You have literally spoken to probably more people than Larry King. So now a lot of people are probably listening, saying she keeps telling you how great this, how fantastic this guy. How I'm not hearing it. I'm, they're saying that to themselves. <laughs> You're building me up a little too much. Mark Simone, actually, my partner on the air, he knows your work. He's like, he's great. Everybody who listens to you, you're fun to listen to. First of all, you know everybody on the planet. So I don't even have to say, I I can take any name out of any hat. It could be Frank Sinatra to uh, Donald Trump. um, Who were very similar, by the way, because Donald Trump studied Frank Sinatra. That was one of the people he studied, and he copied his personality. What, what you see is the Frank Sinatra offstage personality, and Trump really? deliberately copied it. And yeah. he says that, because I know I, you're I, personal I, friends with Donald Trump for many, many years. I used to talk to him about it. One thing he learned from Frank Sinatra, when you get in trouble, you said something you shouldn't have said, everybody's mad. He, he learned this from Frank Sinatra. Always double down. <laughs> Always double down. Trust your instincts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, you have the back, the backstories, the backstories, because you are personal friends with these people. And it, I wouldn't say that you're a schmoozer that goes out and tries, uh, you know, just to get to know someone because they're family. You actually are friends with these people. And I mean, some of the most fascinating people. And let's just pick five off the top of your just just right out of your little hat right now. Pick five people that you've talked All to right. over the last month. Well, let's take Frank Sinatra. Now, the good thing with him. Well, he's not alive. OK, but, but if he said, let's go to dinner. Everybody brought sunglasses because you knew it might be noon by the time you got home. <laughs> it would go forever. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You'd go to dinner. You'd go here. You'd go to the next place, the next place. So he was really like that. Yes, he was always like that. Was now, he a nice guy? Yeah, uh, at moments, he was the nicest guy ever in the world. Sometimes he had a temper. He could be mean. What a lot of people never realized, I mean, I hate to say it, but he was an alcoholic for many years. He was always, always drinking and that's the personality of an alcoholic okay. violent mood swings crazy swings but uh, overall the nicest guy in the world uh-huh. you know, he paid so many college tuitions that nobody never knew about medical bills that people never knew about uh, throughout his life somebody would introduce him to their mother who was very very lonely living alone assisted living Sinatra would get their number he would call them up and he'd say I'm going to call you every Saturday night at 6 o'clock and he, would, he had a list of like 50 women he did that for. Till the ends of their lives, he would do that. So. I love these things. And tell us that you've got to have a few really good ones on Donald Trump. Something that no one would expect, perhaps, that you know. Same kind of stuff as Sinatra. There's a lot of bills he's paid for people. There was uh, uh, this woman just told me the story the other day. 9-11, her brother was killed. She worked at a company in Trump Tower. It had nothing to do with Trump. It was in the office building. She gets a call about two weeks later to go see Donald Trump. She had no idea why. Comes into the office. She said, I heard about your brother. I want to take care of you and your family, all your bills, all your medical, whatever you need. I'll take care of it. There's a million of these stories. Yeah. But he's not an alcoholic. No. Donald no. Trump, unlike Frank Sinatra, I don't think he's ever dropped or touched a drop of alcohol, right? Or no, never, drugs or anything. Never. He lies about the coffee. He says, I've never had a cup of coffee. I've seen him have some coffee, but he never drinks. I, I don't drink. I never drank either. So Yeah. Well, don't, maybe, don't tell you'll, anybody. maybe wanna, you'll be president. I don't want to ruin my reputation, but I don't actually drink. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. Tell us about uh, who are some of your favorite female. Did you did you know um, uh, what's her name? Joan Rivers. Very well. Very well. And very funny. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm editing myself here. A lot of those old nightclub comics were really rough people. They were rough, tough 
people. They'd grown up in nightclubs and the toughest, you know, her. And women back then, probably, I mean, re- they must have had to claw their way into those situations. Yeah, but even the guys, Rodney Dangerfield, all this. If you came up in the television world, you were working in a corporation, an office with vice presidents, executives. If you came up in the nightclub world, you were working for gangsters, really rough nightclub owners, bouncers, drunken patrons. So you came out of there really, really, really tough. Who are your top five people that you absolutely love, people that we know that are icons to us, but people that you knew personally, who were your top five favorites? Well, pick a category. Comedians, singers. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, All the, of the above. People used to say, who's the most interesting guy you ever met? You used to have to think and think. You don't have to think anymore. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Love him or hate him. The most fascinating guy in the history of the world because uh, of all the uh, – no one has ever gotten this much attention or publicity. 24-7 for seven years, eight years, however long, since he started running. Nobody has ever been under attack ever in the history of the world. Hitler didn't get as much bad press as this guy did. And it's unbelievable that he keeps going. He, he has no trouble falling asleep at night. If I got a parking ticket, I can't sleep. He has, Yeah, he just keeps going. It, it doesn't bother him at all. And one thing I've learned about being around guys like that, billionaires, zillionaires, guys that uh, – like that. They love trouble. They love problems. Our whole goal is to not have any problems, solve everything, everything peaceful. They hate that. If everything's peaceful, they're miserable. They're bored. They're miserable. No, they like trouble, problems. It's a chance to prove themselves. It's a chance to do it all over. I used to be in board meetings with Donald Trump for charities we'd be on. And the guy would read the report and he'd say, this went well, this went well. And Trump's dozing but when the guy would say we had one big problem his head would come up like a <laughs> like a firehouse dog he couldn't wait for a problem to sink his teeth into it so. but do you know what he's a he's a good problem solver and you know may he may he get through all of this because i i find him to be fascinating as well tell me someone else you love that um, may be obvious to all of us or maybe not so obvious well there were a lot of people johnny carson obviously a lot of people don't remember him that's hard to believe but uh he left. He left the show. Like, I hate to say it, thirty years ago. So, left, but he was the greatest talk show host ever. I grew up watching him. He was a huge influence. Uh, and he taught me a lot of stuff. I remember he said once, "You know, uh, where a comedian's kind of lame and the audience is way ahead of him, and he's kind of corny and lame." I said, "Yeah." He said, "It's just as bad the other way." Don't be so sophisticated. Don't be so ahead of the audience. Don't be smarter than them. Just be right in tune with them at all times. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else? Can we, do? we mentioned Frank Sinatra. Then there were a lot of business guys. Uh, Lee Iacocca was the most brilliant guy ever. Every time you'd go out, he didn't know it, but uh, like under the table, you're writing things down, taking notes, just advice he would give you. Because it was that. It's brilliant. Well, he's a Michigan guy, too. Yeah, like Michigan you. guy. Okay, because Mark Simone, be, being that he is Mr. New York and basically the world, he's actually from right here, right here in the Midwest in, in uh, Michigan. And uh, But you spent, you spent most of your years up until university, and then you moved to the East Coast with your family. And, yeah. and you kind of stayed here, right? Well, I, I always wanted to be in New York. From the, I, I think I was twelve. I knew I was going to New York. I'd watch every TV show in New York, and I knew. And I, a lot of native New Yorkers, I don't think they fully appreciate New York. I think you had to come from somewhere else to really, really appreciate it. And uh, the greatest compliment, because I was from the Midwest, I was talking to the governor one day. With the, at the time, was George Pataki, and I said I was from Michigan. He goes, "What?" I said, "Yeah." Well, he said. I thought you were in New York. I thought you grew up here. Yeah. Uh-huh. So 
Anyone I've been there long enough to seem like a New Yorker. You've assimilated, for sure. My guest is Mark Simone. He needs no other introduction except one of the all-time greats ever in the history of radio, but he is currently the number one radio show in New York City and beyond. Six million uh, podcast listeners a, a year and has literally just been nominated to be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. Uh, he's been doing it forever, but I'll tell you what, for if you haven't had a chance to really sit down and kind of go through his podcast library, it doesn't matter if it's not that day or something. They're always so interesting. They're always so much fun, and you get the inside scoop on just about everything as you're hearing right now. Uh, you could go back to any date and time, and you're going to love it. Absolutely love it. MarkSimone.com is his website. When we come back, more with the great one. Uh-oh. That's Mark Simone. Don't go anywhere. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Normally, we do a couple of guests an hour, but when you have Mark Simone in the house, you give him the floor for as long as you possibly can. Having so much fun. Mark Simone, who has been Induct well nominated to be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame has won many other uh, awards beyond that he has uh, millions and millions of people listening to his podcast all over the country and the world he's number one radio show in New York City and uh, he just happens to be sitting here in the studio with us right now and we're having the best time thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day I don't know how you do it because not only do you do radio. But you are on how many ra- uh, how many television oh, shows a week? So busy, I'm miss- I'm missing Matlock for this, but okay. I don't- <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me, you're on a lot of shows. I see you on Cudlow. I see you on. Wow, well, you got a TV so- now. Yeah, look at that. I listen, Newsmax, Fox. Tell us what else you're on. Uh, a lot of PBS stuff. I was on the BBC the other day. Apparently, uh, causing quite a stir. It went super viral in Great Britain. Because uh, of an American going viral out of well, the guy uh, and he was in person. He he asked me about Harry and Meghan, what I thought of them, and I started to tell him it was pretty bad. So I'm looking at him. I said, "Is this okay?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." He's like, "Nodding, go, go." So I just made fun of Harry and Meghan, ridiculed him, made a lot of jokes about him. The next day, in my Google alert, it's blowing up from everything in Great Britain, OK Magazine, uh, every. Thing over there, the British papers apparently they really hate Harry and Meghan over there. Uh, well, they're they're probably mad. They think the Americans stole him away from the monarchy, right? He's no longer the ginger-haired, like fun-loving guy from the royalty. He's now. Yeah, I don't think they stole him away. I think they just realized that those two ingrates uh, left the monarchy, came over here looking to be some sort of a royal family Kardashians, and it didn't work. And nobody can figure out what kind of work they're out of. I don't know how they do their taxes. The first question says occupation. What do they put? I don't know. Yeah. Podcasters only, they got paid something like $32 million for podcasts, and they did four episodes or yeah. something like that. And then canceled because uh, they obviously have nothing to say, nothing to talk about. They don't leave their house. They don't know anything. Although I'll say this for her. She was very good in the TV show Suits. People are saying that. I've never, ever seen it. Um when you say very good, I mean, like, how well, good can you be in a in a show like that? Oh, it's a brilliant show. Suits is one of the finest shows I've ever seen. No way. Oh, really? Phenomenal. In fact, the writer's strike took place, so they ran out of uh, series 
new series. So they started running Suits on Netflix, even though it's from 10 years ago. And it's the number one show on Netflix right now. Really? It, it's a modern-day Mad Men. It's, uh, in fact, when you watch Mad Men when you're done, that's the show they recommend. Uh, to watch next. And why? So I obviously don't even know the premise. What is oh, it? It takes place in a law firm. It's about the most cutthroat law firm in the world. Uh, she starts off as, a, uh, I think, a legal secretary. She doesn't have much of a role in the first season, but she gets involved with uh, it's – it's a long story. But uh, second, third, fourth season, she really does some serious acting. And is it good? Is she good? She's good. The The show is phenomenal. It's now the number one Netflix show, Suits. Who knew? I obviously didn't. But then again, I, I barely watch TV. But I know I'm missing a lot of good things. Well, that's interesting. So you, you like her acting. You like the show. You don't necessarily, you know, like her. And then and now Britain has picked up on your commentary. Yeah. And she's one of those people, you know, if uh, somebody's on the show, you got a million questions. If she's on the show... You go blank. What are you going to ask her? <laughs> uh, yeah, what are you going to ask her? What's it like being in the royal family? Well, she's not. She's an outcast. So there's like absolutely nothing to talk to her about. She's one of those people you'd, uh, you'd never want to sit next to at a dinner party. Nothing to talk about. <laughs> not your problem. Uh, you, you're the opposite. Everything in the world to talk about and not enough time. Um, fa- so we were asking, I was asking you before, what are some of your favorite people you've met and since you've met literally millions of people and you said well what category uh comedy serious actors politicians you tell me well there were people that would shock you like um uh, comedians like uh, i think robin williams for instance robin williams in private off the air the most mopey quiet serious guy who could barely even if he talked to you you couldn't hear a word he was saying just just a mumbling shy guy uh, you see that a lot. Then you got a, like a Don Rickles who's exactly the same off stage as on stage. Uh-huh. Regis Philbin, exactly oh, the same. Oh, you guys were close. You yeah. loved him, right? Exactly the same off stage. Yeah. He always looked like such a sweet, sweet guy. Who else? Give us some other ones. Uh, there was a dinner once where I was sitting with Elon Musk, who I don't <gasps> know. My dream. I do know Warren Buffett, and he was. It's a big. It was a big party, like two hundred people. And Buffett is on the other side of the room. He sees me and he waves. And Musk said, "You know him, like nasty." I said, "What's wrong with Warren Buffett?" He said, "What's wrong with him? He's the most boring guy in the world. He has a boring job. He sits in an office in Omaha, reads annual reports. He's got the most boring business ever." So later, I see Warren Buffett, and even when you got two hundred million, two hundred billion. You're still like everybody else. He says, what was he saying about me? He could tell something. He could tell Elon (laughs) Musk was saying something. I said, you don't want to hear it. He said, that is somebody I want to know about. Elon Musk. Tell me about him. Buffett had the greatest comeback I ever heard. He said, tell me what he said about me. I said, well, he said you're boring. You have a boring company. Boring. I didn't even think about this. Off the top of his head, Buffett said, He's literally in the boring business. Elon Musk owns a boring company. You know, the company that's making oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the tunnels. It's called the boring company. He literally is boring for a living. <laughs> <laughs> that, was fi- that was pretty quick. From, that was quick. Uh, that was quick. Is Elon Musk, um, is, he, is he jovial? Is he fun to be with? Is he a, yeah. a fun hang? Yeah, he's fun. But he's like what I was telling you about before. These billionaires look for trouble. They look for more problems. If you had... A billion dollars, you'd never work again. He's got a hundred and eighty billion. He's got two hundred billion. Yet every week he buys another company. And same thing with Bezos. They don't just buy a company; they buy the worst thing you could buy in the most troubled industry. Who would take on Twitter at this point? But they look for trouble. Yeah, but you know what? The thing I like about Elon, I think he does these things for 
big reasons, for altruistic reasons. He decides to, you know, build rockets because he actually wants to do something in outer space. He actually buys Twitter, now X, not because of the prestige, because he saw an issue happening with free speech. So he literally bought it. I don't think he wanted to buy it, but he felt like that would be his contribution. I kind of think that. Well, but being around these guys, I'm going to tell you, if you ever say to yourself, how come they're billionaires and I'm not? The difference is those guys will work 24-7. They'll work 20 hours a day all all the time. They never take a day off. They always say, thank God it's Monday. They can't wait to get back to work. The other thing is they're enormous risk takers. They will take risks you would never in a million years take. They're just swashbucklers will take risks. Mm-hmm. The bigger the risk, the more they like it. And and good people? Yeah, uh, some are. Most are. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Warren Buffett's a good person. Many of them are very charitable. Uh, I mean, uh, if you had to leave your wallet on the beach, would you ask Jeff Bezos to watch it? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Tell us some of the the iconic women that you've met over the years, whether they're actors or comedians, ones that you really loved, admired, and who just... Amazing. Well, obviously, Margaret Thatcher, you admire a lot. You've uh, met her. Yeah, I didn't know her, but I may have met her a few times. I mean, a lot of. Uh, uh, you always ask about women. Why is that? No, no, this is oh. the only time <laughs> I've asked about. You always go back to about, women. <laughs> no, I, because we've been talking all about the guys Frank Sinatra and, and Elon Musk and Ella Donald Fitzgerald. Trump. Okay, you've met Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, I knew her very well. The greatest singer, greatest female vocalist ever in the history of the world. That's right. Uh, I mean, the nicest person in the world. Uh, Barbara Streisand, the most annoying person you could ever meet in in real life i had a feeling you were going to say that oh, no, very annoying okay uh even now i mean uh, even more annoying now yeah yeah annoying she's married to james brolin right very nice guy but iq of maybe 75 maybe 80 <laughs> you remember that famous uh day it was uh, it was the anniversary of 9 11 he calls in you probably were there and he said uh, oh you guys are on in new york happy 9 11 and you have to explain to him, it's not, no, don't say happy. Well, yeah. well, no, happy 9-11. He just didn't understand. He couldn't. Oh, my. He's not the brightest guy in the world. <laughs> not the sharpest. Uh, whatever. Uh, okay. And then your comedians, you did say Joan Rivers. Is she as funny? And for, for some reason, I get the feeling like she is probably the most wickedly funny. Yeah, very, very, very funny. Uh, very, very tiny. She was a little, little tiny person. Uh, and I remember uh, walking down the street with a friend of mine who had real high heels. And after a while, she said, I, it's hard to walk in these heels and then all of a sudden I look and there's Joan Rivers coming at us she's 90 years old or whatever she was charging down the street with six inch heels and I said tell her about those heels she goes you're all babies nowadays you gotta learn to she I've been doing this for 50 years. You get used to it. Yeah. She was tough, uh, worked hard, really, really worked hard. Mm-hmm. And you would have had to back when she started. Um, so so many interesting people. Who's your, you said Ella Fitzgerald is your favorite singer? You know, a female singer, Frank Sinatra. Female singer, Frank Sinatra. Greatest you, singer. You had, a, you had a show on Sinatra. Yeah. On well, WABC. Yeah. And so are you still doing anything in the, in the music world or or you're just too well, busy with all your talk stuff? Years ago, in the late uh, and through the late 80s, early 90s, I was on WNEW, which was a legendary New York station. And that was the home of Sinatra. He listened every day. That was uh, in, in the studio every day. We had uh, live performers, Mel Torme, Ella Fitzgerald, oh. Tony Bennett, Sarah Vaughan, Lena Horne. All, it was, was Mel Torme a nice guy? Very nice guy. I love him so so much Very I feel like he's the one person I'd want to have coffee with you'd want to have coffee him. but bring your wallet because he never ever ever he never offered to pay he had special pants made no pockets 
<laughs> he was a great guy and a brilliant guy. He knew everything about everything. Just studied all day and night, movies, books, anything. Who fascinates you? Uh, you. I just can't figure this show out. How this is still on the air. That's what's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you're mean. Hey, we're coming up on 200 episodes, our fourth year, and it's something we just started, and I wasn't. I didn't know if it was going to last. But we started it right before the pandemic. So I'm thinking, well, that was a nice four shows we just did before the pandemic. And then Lombo, four years later, The Way Home. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great show, and I do listen to it. Uh, but one thing about the pandemic, I don't know if you remember, AM radio went crazy during the pandemic. The ratings went through the roof, not just uh, for us, but in every city. The AM talk station became number one in a real crisis. That's where people turned. That's right. And so this whole thing about getting rid of AM radio lately and, you know, Sean Hannity and a bunch of people went to bat for it was for good reason. I mean, you know, people do turn to it for emergencies and, uh, you know, for so much more. Well, you know, they, they said the electric car, you can't have an AM radio because there's so much static interference. Turned out the fix for that was $35. Just one piece that's $35. Yeah. I have I have a, a, a theory, though, that they wanted to get rid of AM radio for had nothing to do with the fact that what they were saying that it was about, that it was interfering with you know, satellite and blah, blah, blah. It was something else. But you know what? It, it's because, let, let's face it, most of the programming on AM tends to be more conservative in nature, right? Well, a lot of people think it was because it was conservative talk. Uh, but I know from people in the car business that uh, at the top of those car companies, they would like to get rid of AM and FM. They would like to get rid of the radio because then you'd have to listen through the internet. Right. And they want to be in the business Sirius is in. They want to be getting $19 a month from you for your internet in the car. They want those subscriptions. They don't want anything to be done for free. Well, it's another revenue stream they could have when you have the car. How many more years are you going to be doing radio, Mark Simone? I don't. Why would I stop? Why would I ever? Exactly. Why would I stop? I know that, and you never will. What am I, Joe uh, Biden? I have to retire now. Yeah, no, you'll you'll be doing it as late as Joe Biden, but it's sounding like yourself right now. You always be able to talk. So, so much fun to listen to. Erudite, really interesting, funny as heck. You are truly, really the whole package when it comes to uh, any listening. That's why you've got young people tuning in now, older people and everyone in between. Mark Simone, you can find him at MarkSimone.com. That's MarkSimone.com. Uh, listen to his podcasts. Watch him on TV. He is all over the place all the time. At any given time, you see him uh, with the best talk show hosts there. He's always being asked to... Anytime that uh, Donald Trump is doing a, a big fundraiser or a... Um, what do you call it? The political talks that he's doing right now for, you know, running for president campaign uh, talk. You are always asked to come on afterwards and do commentary because you know him not only so well, but you really understand the landscape of what's going on in this country. You understand the human psyche. It's so fun to listen to you being nominated into the Radio Hall of Fame. Mark Simone, you have my vote. Oh, thanks. Well, you have my vote, too. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, when we come back, we've got good news from Jim Cleefield. Don't go away. This is The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. It's so great. I just love being with people that I've had a chance to work with over the years. And when I look back at my career, when it all began in Greenwich, Connecticut at WGCH Radio, never, even though I had dreams of it, never did I actually anticipate 
knowing that I would be working with some of the best people and the most iconic people in radio. And yet it all happened, and it's pure joy. And, and getting to spend time with somebody like Mark Simone on the air again um, together is it's just kind of pinch me stuff because, well, you just you feel like you work your whole life to get to a certain point in your career when you get to do things like that and speak to people like that. Well, but I do that every week here on the show with Jim Cleefield because Jimmy and I have known each other since 2001. Mm-hmm. So we're going back 22 years now. And our producer, Bob Small, he taught me every single thing. I've known him for 35 years, my entire career since I started here at WGCH in 1988. 35? 35th anniversary this year, this past February. And Bob Small, you have been running WGCH in Greenwich, Connecticut for how many years? Oh, he doesn't have a microphone. Is it 40 or 45? 40. 40. I'll tell you, it is a wonderful way to not only make a living, but meet the the best human beings of your life. And uh, it, it is. It's just, it's just been a grand blessing. So, Jimmy, this is the point where we do some nice happy stories that you have gone out to find for us every week. You are my guru of good news. That's what I'm here for. That's what you're here for. Lay it on us. Yes. And besides radio, you know my other love is dogs. I'm a dog lover. And this story uh, mentions that in a way. It's a a form of love. Paula Rodriguez was taking a flight recently with her dog, Maya. And she was on a layover at Atlanta Hartsfield International Airport. This was last month. And Maya was traveling her when all of a sudden, mysteriously and regrettably, Maya had disappeared. She didn't know what happened to that dog. Now, she was at her wit's end when she found out about this. She didn't know where Maya went. She went on a Facebook page, which was the Atlanta area, lost and found pets, desperately pleading, somebody please find her because Maya just, you know, is my life. Well, three days later, this was about August 21st, three days after it was reported missing, Delta, which was the airline that she was flying on, told Ms. Rodriguez that Maya had escaped from her kennel on the airport ramp. Now, I've traveled to many airports. I've never seen anything like that before, but that's what happened. Maya had escaped there. But shortly thereafter, uh, there was a massive search for it. Now, there's a woman who was subsequently called, I guess, by the airport or the airline by the name of Robin Allgood. That's a nice name, Allgood, right? It's going to be all good. She then distributed flyers throughout the entire premises, telling people, please try to find Maya, see if you can find her. We don't know where she went. Well, shortly thereafter, there was a call that was uh, given to Robin by somebody. There was an informant, and there was a Maya sighting. We don't know exactly where. Maybe she was in the airport. Who knows? But she was found. I'm happy to say that she has been reunited with Ms. Rodriguez. Rodriguez is so happy. I mean, everybody just pulled together. And Delta Airlines uh, later commented, it's just a wonderful thing. Great teamwork to bring this dog back and reunite him, reunite her with her rightful owner. And I think just it speaks to the phrase, it takes a village, right? It took everybody to find this dog. I mean, because I would be very panicky if I lost a dog at an airport, but great for them. Everybody pulled together, and, and now she has her dog back. Thank goodness. That would be terrible. You're traveling with your dog, because a lot of times they let the dogs on the flights now, mm-hmm. but apparently Maya was not. She, I guess she was going into the, the cargo hold or something. I guess so. I've never seen one of those. That's probably what it was, oh. and then somehow she escaped. That would be awful, but thank goodness. Yes. Happy ending on that one. All right. Well, we have time for one more. Yes. Now, I don't know. We talked about money earlier on the show with Mark, uh, billionaires, millionaires. Well, what if you found an envelope with a lot of money in it? I'm not talking about a million dollars here, but just any kind of substantial amount of money. Well, here's a guy, John Saltetto, who worked at a Walmart in Clovis, California recently. In fact, this goes back to last month. And he was doing his shift. He was packing some water bottles when he came across 
something very mysterious. It was an envelope. It contained close to $4,000 in it. And you wonder, gee, where did it come from? Well, this was a test of his integrity, kindness, honesty. You know, honesty is the best policy, right? Well, he, without thinking and without hesitation, picked up the envelope and notified his supervisor that somebody left this envelope with close to $4,000 in it. So the next thing they did, and this is what they told a network news outlet, they looked at the customer's ID, they did video surveillance, and John said the funny thing is about all this, uh, they found out where the customer was. The manager took him outside the building, and wouldn't you know it, the customer was standing right outside. Uh, it was a she. We don't know who it was. He gave her the money back. Now, that's not the end of the story here. There's a reason why he displayed all that kindness. If we go back to the beginning of August, John had a goal. He wanted to be employee of the month. Well, that... Effort of kindness. All that kindness did not go unnoticed because at the end of August, he got a plaque in his name that he's the customer of the month because uh, he was recognized for his honesty, his kindness, and he accomplished that goal because of what he did. Good job for that guy. Absolutely. But the employee of the month. Employee of the month. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Well, I, you know what? Anybody who finds $4,000 and gives it back. And by the way, that money was for school. The woman said thank you because that's what the money was for. I should also say that too. Oh, for you mean her education? For kids. Their kids' education. Wow. Yes. There you have it. You know what? It's it, I. It's all in the way, I believe, that we're raised, right? You're either raised in a home where that is the number one policy, honesty, you know, or maybe a lot of kids maybe don't have the opportunity to be taught those things or are not taught those things. But for those that are, it, they, those are the, well, that's what you get. You get people like him and uh, returning things like cash, which, you know, anybody would think could be so easy to just disappear and never find it again. Well, thank goodness there are still so many good and honest people in the world. In fact, I have a feeling that there are way more good and honest people than there are not. And I happen to work with a bunch here. Thank you all. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you, Bob, for producing the program without his microphone today. So he can't even... You can't hear him, but he's kind of doing sign language, sort of like, what do you call it? That uh, anyway, telepathy. I don't know. <laughs> well, telepathy. No, yeah. he's he's giving me hand signals. Right there, right. we go. All right. Well, and to you, thank you so much, Jimmy. Thank and you, um, as we are getting very close to our two hundredth two hundredth episode of the way home, it's been nothing but joy and fun, and I hope to be continuing. Well, at least as long as Mark Simone, which is decades upon decades. Definitely check out his podcast. It is so exciting and so enjoyable at MarkSimone.com. And for us, you can always see the podcast again at 953MNC.com and go to The Way Home with Laura Smith. I love you all. Have a great week.